Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, well, it wasn't the day after the election that I expected. I can say I, I thought I saw the markings of a big, big wave. And, um, well, it wasn't there. In a lot of places, you know, there certainly was a red wave. Florida was extraordinary. Texas was extraordinary. New York State, even though Lee Zeldin didn't win, there's a bunch of races that were won. Uh, but in lots of other places, Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, Arizona looks like it might be okay um, in terms of some good people winning. Carrie Lake is in a, in a very close race there. They've got votes that are coming in. Uh, but it wasn't a red wave. And why was that? You know, I mean, that's the question. Why was there no red wave? Is it is it is the fact that um, it was not a red wave? Does that mean people are satisfied with the direction of the country? It's hard to understand how people were voted for Fetterman when they saw the country in the direction it's going and the lack of leadership. It's hard to think that they thought, you know, it's hard to think about people going, oh, I'll take Fetterman. Um, now, Oz may have not been a natural candidate in terms of politics, but he was a good communicator, at least, you know, he made a lot of money as a TV star. So, um, but listen, I'm here to give you great comfort and to understand now what you see as opposed to what you wish had happened, or maybe I should talk about myself. Uh, what you need to know is when I look at yesterday and now I look at the state of play, I say, what is it that um, I see? That What is it uh, that has happened? Not to what do I wish had happened. And when you look closely, there was an article in Tom Massey, Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, uh, was at the celebration, the party for uh, for uh, Kevin McCarthy. It was supposed to be the the coronation of the new speaker, I guess. And it was at a ballroom in D.C. and everybody was waiting. And so here they are waiting and uh, ultimately it gets delayed and delayed, delayed. And at two in the morning, they basically have a, a brief statement. It looks like they're going to get the majority, but not by very much. And uh, Thomas Massey is interviewed by a reporter. and He says, look, as long as we have the majority in the house we have subpoena authority and we can get to the bottom of a bunch of stuff he said that's very powerful and then he said and also if you look at uh senator mansion of west virginia and this he said this in an interview thomas massey said you know if you look at senator mansion of west virginia he said you know he, he's basically in charge and he said i like to tell people the massey caucus if it's only you know one vote that separates uh, uh, the majority and the, and the uh, minority, uh, Thomas Massey said, I'll be in charge. And, you know, there's a part of you want to say I, I talked to someone who's very savvy, was in the middle of a lot of this late um, last night and again this morning, uh, last night by text, this morning by phone. And he said, you know, it's like that old song. You can't always get what you want, but you might just get what you need. You know, you might just get what you need. And it turns out that maybe what you need is at least to stop the investigatory uh, chaos and have a pushback and have a, a way to balance. But also, in some ways, you may have more conservative voices who will be heard because they'll have to be heard. And so it won't be the situation where they can just simply ignore the conservatives because they have 30 extra seats. No, you need you need the, the, the Freedom Caucus. You need the five votes of the most conservative guys, because if they walk, you're in trouble. 
So suddenly conservatives have a place at the table. And if they're smart, they know how to use that. They know how to make that a, a factor. And so that's a, that, it, what you need to know is, you know, look, I think there's something about this election that shows that we're sort of in camps. It doesn't matter. You know, they're just in teams. And you're going to if you get your team excited, they're going to come out and vote and you're going to win in places where your team is strong. You know, so if you're if you're a uh, Democrat, you're going to win in California, although it's a funny situation in California. They won statewide, but they lost some of the races for Congress down low, down bottom. Um, same thing in New York. They won statewide. So they didn't lose the big one, the governor. But they did lose three, I think, maybe four of the House races, the U.S. Congress, the United States House of Representatives. So there's a part of this that is uh, uh, interesting to think about what, um, you know, is it true that, you know, places where it's just team, it's just team, Democrats versus Republicans, you're going to get out your people, they're going to get out mine, and it's going to be even. Now, I listened all night on a couple different texting threads and a couple different um, call, uh, phone calls, um, kind of conference calls, Zoom calls, and... Um, what I heard was a lot of chaos. But what I would say is there was more than I've ever seen or known more people watching and fighting for transparency and things to work right. That doesn't mean they all did. I have some questions about how the, you know, the, the vote tallies in, the, in Pennsylvania ended up where they are. I have some questions about Maricopa County. But in general, we had a situation where there were lots of eyes inside and you know, someone said to me, well, maybe this is something that's being done even more sophisticated. It's not it's done being in the computer, being done in the computer system could be. I mean, I there there is something about it that doesn't sit right with me. But, you know, it's a second election where it doesn't sit right with me. So maybe it's just me uh, not tracking it. But back to my point, if you think the if you thought like I did, it would be a bigger wave, then you say, well, well this is terrible. But if you stop and you say, what do I need to know about the situation? What you need to know is, as long as there's control of the House and Senate, excuse me, the House for sure, maybe the Senate too, you're going to have a check. You're going to have, and you're going to create a dynamic where other voices have to be heard. And um, the other aspect of this is, uh, I think it creates a dynamic too, where people think they're going to take on Trump in the primary. And that's going to create a whole other set of uh, challenges and, and some of it good, some of it bad. Uh, but I don't think Trump is backing away. And I think that uh, somebody like DeSantis and others are going to say, you know what? This is our turn. This is my time. Um, I heard someone say on that insider call I was on, too. Maybe Republicans can't win national races anymore. Maybe it's too hard. Um, that's when, when you see Michigan, Pennsylvania. Uh, we'll see about Arizona and Nevada. Uh, you just wonder if it's gotten that bad. So there you have it. All right. So don't get down. You know, to grieve what your uh, hope was. What I, I did uh, last night, I stared at the screen and I watched the TV and I said, what is this? And then say, okay, what's happening here? What's what, what? What do I need to understand? And what you need to know is sometimes you don't get what you want, but you get what you need. And uh, I think that's where we are. So we'll see more over in the coming days about exactly what's going to happen and more details. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll catch up with our old friend John Zadrozny. He's over at America First Legal. He's an investigator over there and a lawyer, and we'll see what he knows about some of these things. We'll also uh, visit with my friend Hal Shirtliff. Hal Shirtliff runs Camp Constitution. He's a great patriot, sort of of the old school, and he does a great job of being out there educating and fighting. Um, he's the guy that his organization, they fought to fly the flag over Boston City Hall uh, when they were letting the, the rainbow flag fly and the atheist flag fly and he wanted to fly a, an american historical flag that had christianity tied to it and they blocked it he went all the way to supreme court and he won he's a great guy hal shirtliff we'll talk with him in a moment all right so we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report we'll be back in a moment
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, for years, years, I would say that our next guest was somebody that I talked to about education, about how to uh, um, understand what we need to do to give people a sense of the our Constitution, our founding documents, and et cetera, et cetera. And then he became a warrior in the in the culture wars by uh, suing and being able to get his flag up the flagpole. At the, I think the I get it right. Uh, correct me how the mayor's. Uh, the um, city hall in Boston. So Hal Shirtliff is uh, the leader of what I want to make sure we talk about too, which is the uh, camp constitution next fall, uh, excuse me, next summer, July 16th through 21st, 2023, they have camp constitution. If you're planning your summer, you hear this and you say, write it down, go to campconstitution.net and you'll see uh, you can link on this and mark it. It's great. It's a great camp. Uh, it's a lot of great education, a lot of great people. Um, so uh, anyway, first of all, Hal, uh, welcome back. What's it like to be a uh, culture warrior and a winner? You won your fight with City Hall um, and the flag went up. Uh, Tell us about uh, where things are. Have you retired and you're just uh, taking accolades, I assume, from all this? No, no, no. That's the work never ends. Um, Like uh, like to quote my late friend and your late friend, Sam Blumenfeld, we're going to do this till we drop. And he (laughs) did. And so will we, uh, God willing. Yep. But yeah, we were very excited about the lawsuit. After five years, uh, the city denied us a permit to fly a Christian flag on a pub- what they call a public access flagpole, where they've been flying communist flags and rainbow flags and all the other flags. And we actually got the permission to fly it one time. It was a one-time ceremony because they have now canceled any third-party flag raising. And what makes this issue even more important than just one, you know, one city is that uh, I'm noticing every week towns and cities around the country are changing their policies where they won't fly any third-party flag. So just the U.S. flag, the state flag, maybe the POW flag and a town flag, uh, but no rainbow flag. So it's sometimes doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Some of the more conservative-run towns may fly the rainbow flag, feel pressure to do it. Now they say, hey, we have an out. And there are other cases where they are actually allowing the Christian flag to fly. We had a ceremony in Revere, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston, Christian flag raising and it was like right in front of City Hall and it will hopefully be an annual event Lowell, Massachusetts, yeah, which is just a little north of Boston right. and others are being planned and I, I I get contact by people all over the country on a regular basis so I think this this case really uh, put the lemon test to rest Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the lemon test was this terrible decision. Boy, the Supreme Court came up with some real bad decisions in the early 70s, didn't they? Yep. But it was based on a Catholic school in I think Providence, Rhode Island and it got to the point where uh, public officials were even saying "God bless you" or "Gesundheit" or uh, mm-hmm. uh, wearing a cross in a public school or even carrying a can- bringing a candy cane to a school was somehow a violation. And uh, this case, as well as several others, uh, uh, and the case that was uh, Coach Joe Kennedy out of uh, as I believe it was Washington State, a football coach. Mm-hmm. His case was one about two months after ours. In fact, our case was referenced in his case. So that's that was really what it was all about, although we're, we're pleased we got our 
with a nice little ceremony. You can see that ceremony on Liberty Council's website, lc.org. Hmm. Um, campconstitution.net, by the way, if you go there, you'll see all uh, a lot of things that uh, that Hal has been up to. And again, about the camp. And uh, uh, as I say, <clears throat> excuse me, as I looked earlier, the mission of the Camp Constitution to enhance understanding of our Judeo-Christian moral heritage, our American heritage of courage and ingenuity, including the genius of our United States Constitution, uh, the application of free enterprise and on and on. Um, Hal, I want to pause, though. You mentioned Bloom. Uh, you mentioned Samuel uh, Blumenfeld. And I want to pause because you actually have, I noticed on the website, his archive. Now, for people that don't know, he was a prolific writer and much of his early writing and, and his whole career was about phonics and and the late phyllis schlafly was a great believer in uh sam blumenfeld's insight about hey um you know you, you got to teach people to read it's almost the most important thing that you can do for a student a young child and we were messing it up and he went on to write crimes of the educators co-write it co-authored with alex newman about sort of the history of how they were really intentionally seeming to dumb down but you have his archives I, he he was an extraordinary american he fought in world war ii i think he was yes. maybe, yeah, and so uh, what's that like what's the archive like who, who's I hope somebody's in there like researching and writing about him. I, I, I will encourage people. He was extraordinary life. Well, Sam was a dear friend of mine. He was one of our camp instructors. And when he he passed away in June of 15, he had just turned 89, I believe. And he uh, willed me his most of his library. Very, wow. his papers because he knew I told Sam that it was our, our we pledged to him on his deathbed that his work will will influence unborn generations. So uh, so what I it, I even started gathering his material at his request prior to his death. He had about four two hundred legal boxes of books and papers and writings and correspondence even even between Phyllis uh, Schlafly of course and uh, Sam and we had a couple of couple of people. One is our our web master eric conover mm-hmm. and our camp newspaper editor mark affleck who's in pennsylvania and mark just pdf'd a lot of the the letters the newsletters the books and then we got some old recordings we had a lot of cassettes even reel-to-reels and cds and all of that was put in mp3 mp4 format his alpha phonics workbook is available we put it back it's still in print mm-hmm. but we have it on our website where you can download it you can mm-hmm. use the website version with all 128 lessons and either an audio or video al- along with all of the teacher's guides which you really don't need a teacher's guide i think sam did it because other alpha uh, phonics courses were offering them and that's what people wanted you have all of his lectures and i tell uh, i used to tell people every time back in the 90s homeschool homeschooling is always a challenge it's much yeah. easier now than it was then right. but every time you had second thoughts just just put it a sam blumenfeld video, uh, cassette <laughs> uh, and that will be uh, what was i thinking of course we're doing the right thing that's fantastic that's true that's right before it was uh before everyone caught on and maybe covid hammered at home uh, uh, as sam was advocating for uh, homeschooling all right um so tell our folks about so no how i want to ask you this i'm looking back at my notes now i've been thinking about you for a week since we set this up um Education on the Constitution. You know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, one of her favorite things that happened to her was she was appointed by Ronald Reagan to be on the Bicentennial Commission on the Constitution. And she had a great time there. And she really treasured that period of time going out into the public and going. They had hearings all over the country and talking about she just believed so much in the Constitution. So 
first question how i know we're gonna i know every old man like me now i turn into an old man i say oh the young people aren't studying the right (laughs) things you know they're not but 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 constitutional literacy tell me where we are i know the need you're there and you're saying but i don't mean to be again the old man yelling at the neighbor's kids but it's getting worse and worse isn't it well, there's no question about that. I live in uh, Alton, New Hampshire. Just uh, a few days ago, we offered to donate pocket copies of the Constitution to the local government school, high school. And I didn't hear from any of the teachers that I, the social studies teachers. And then finally, one got back to me and says, well, you have to ask the principal. So I emailed the principal and within a matter of minutes, Thank you, but we are all set with pocket copies of the Constitution. Well, I pretty much doubt that the school, (laughs) that they have any pocket copy. Although we did donate some to the Manchester, New Hampshire High School at the request of its superintendent. I think about 3,000 and every student. Now, just getting a Constitution, it's like, you know, I could buy a book and put it on my bookshelf. I could buy a brand new piano and put it in my living room. That doesn't mean I'm going to play it or read the book. You have to actually read it. And I think our nation's enemies fear an informed voter more than anything else. And a voter who actually understands the Constitution, you know, it wasn't written in some kind of hieroglyphics or some kind of arcane uh, format. It was really simple. And some of the words might be a little archaic, like, for example, well-regulated. But you can easily determine it doesn't mean a bunch of laws and, you know, it means that well-trained, well-disciplined. Right. So, and there, again, there's a few parts of the Constitution where you might have, but some of them are pretty straightforward. You know, there's absolutely no doubt. You know, it says uh, Congress shall not do this. It shall not do that. And the other thing, too, if they didn't grant the power, then they couldn't do it. So we, you know, we sit back and we listen to politicians in both major parties and you kind of wince. They'll say democracy and you say it's not a democracy. They'll say, well, we have to support the Ukraine. We have to give them foreign aid. Well, it's not in the Constitution. And uh, so we do have a work cut off for us. But I'd like to think that there's some great, you know, we're a relatively small organization. I think we do have a lot of impact. But you've got Hillsdale College. You have... um, yeah, yeah, uh, well, the Institute of the Constitution by uh, our, our friend uh, Pastor David Whitney, who actually is one of our instructors, and many other uh, uh, entities that are doing this. Uh, Chris Ann Hall is doing a great job, and I just m- met a gentleman. He does something called the Constitution Minute. I didn't meet him in person. He, a little newspaper in Maine was carrying his articles. He's down in Texas, and I looked at it, people he, he influenced. They says, "Man, you we we we're kind of in the same travel in the same." circles and he does his uh program and we see this around the country so it's even though we we're we have a long way to go i think we've made a lot of progress uh, we're talking again with hal shirtliff and uh, go to camp net and um, see more um uh how the um Tell me, tell give me the give me the rundown on the camp so that if somebody's listening right now, and I, I will say sure. we've, we've had this great experience where lots of homeschoolers uh, listen to these shows as podcasts and you pass them around. So tell me, tell tell us what that is, how it fits together. Tell us um, uh, why it's uh, really helpful for young people. Well, let me also mention, since our last conversation, we we now have a weekend family camp as well as a ladies' retreat uh, in addition to the week-long camp. But the week-long camp starts Sunday afternoon. I do say July 17th or 16th. I don't have it's, my uh, – oh, here we go. Uh, July 16th to 20th. July 16th, yes. It's in um, – 
Singing Hills Christian Camp in Plainfield, New Hampshire, which is about an hour north and west of Concord, New Hampshire, not too far from uh, St. Johnsbury. Vermont. I'm sorry, not St. Johnsbury, White River Junction, Vermont. Beautiful lo- location. Um, and we always offer people, hey, we pick you up at an airport, pick you up at a train station, pick you up at a bus station if need be. And um, we have some of, I like to think, not just the nation's, but some of the world's top instructors. Professor Willie Soon, he's become a regular. He's one of the world's top atmospheric scientists, as well as the climate realist. Alex Newman, who's been coming to last three or four years with his whole family, as well as really soon in his family. Alex is an expert on numerous topics, the Great Reset, uh, education. Of course, he co-authored Sam Blumenfeld's last book, uh, last and final book, uh, Crimes of the Educators. Pastor David Whitney, who was uh, with the Institute on on the Constitution out of Pasadena, Maryland, and other instructors? Um, we have a few that we haven't got confirmation, so I can't. I can't. Uh, we're hoping to get Vince Ellison. He's become a friend, and uh, but I can't confirm that. In addition to the class, and we also have a program for the youngsters too. We have people. Well, uh, we enactors come in in colonial outfits. Uh, we actually have cannons, live firing, uh, marksmanship classes. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of hiking. A field trip. Last year, we took uh, a trip to the Augustus St. Gaudens homestead. He's the man who did the the 54th Regiment, um, beautiful uh, bass relief there in Boston. And uh, we went to the Calvin Coolidge homestead. So we we, we do different things every year. And we have a great campfire. Uh, You know, we spend an hour singing old-fashioned corny songs, a few hymns, and people play instruments and do skits. And we have a camp newspaper. And uh, this year... uh, we had about five or six uh, fa- homeschool families from Connecticut, all first timers, and they were so excited. They they just had us down in Connecticut la- last week doing it's like a camp constitution for a day uh, in a church there in Newtown. And I thought, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to start other camps. So. Anyone out there listening that might be interested in hosting us for a day, for a weekend, uh, that'd be great. We'd love to come out. And if we can't come out, maybe we could find some folks that will, and uh, and maybe you could uh, replicate our program. Very good. Well, uh, it's good stuff, Hal. It's uh, really a necess- it's necessary, and also I think your approach is sort of um, like Phyllis used to say, uh, or used to be say, used to say about Phyllis, a happy warrior. There's a lot of things to be really worried about, uh, but ultimately you've got the joy of uh, you've got the joy of Christ. I know. Uh, Amen. So it makes a big difference. Well, we'll wish you good luck, and I'll put up on social media uh, links to all this. And uh, thanks very much, Hal. Thanks for having me. God bless now. God bless you. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. And don't forget, I'll put up on social media. I just checked. I'll I'll make sure to put up the link to uh, campconstitution.net and also the link to the application for the the, uh, camp. So you see that, too. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, one of the benefits of uh, hosting this program is I get these guests on that are out in the, in the fight in different places. And our, our guest uh, today is John Zadrozny. He's the Deputy Director of Investigations over at America First Legal. If you go to their website, aflegal.org, you'll see they do lots of stuff. And it was, I don't know, a week or two, ten, maybe a week ago, maybe less, that I got an email about the work they were doing. They were they were watching what was going on in Wisconsin. They were actively up in Pennsylvania. Uh, there was the law. Uh, 
lawsuit up there and state Supreme Court on the mail in ballots. But, John, you know, we're, we're past the primary now. And when when you and your work, you you're digging into these election and these issues around election integrity. You must be shaking your head this morning. Like, wh- how can we be having similar problems in Maricopa County two years later? How can we be having, you know, irregularities in, in and things being held up? You know, I think Pennsylvania said or some point one of the jurisdictions will be will be counting votes into the weekend. I mean, you, you must be kind of shaking your head saying this. This is not this is not first world action. It's not first world uh, uh, leadership. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly my general per- perception of what happened yesterday. Um, first world countries have election results the night of the election, um, regardless of where they are. We've, we've known who the president of the United States was uh, basically every night since the invention of the telegraph. <laughs> and so th- we have to get back to this place uh, in this country where we accept that the results are in that night. And it's the outlier that takes a couple of days or longer. Um, but you and I both know that there's a certain segment of the, the population, the left that wants the delay because the delay is advantageous for cheating. Um, you saw this last week when you, um, the Pennsylvania Supreme court basically stepped in and said, no, it's illegal under f- uh, state law to accept um, basically any absentee or mail-in ballots that don't have a date or don't have a signature. And the Fetterman campaign and other campaigns sued saying, we think those are trivial uh, paper paperwork um, items. They're not. They're fundamental to make sure that you can identify that they're not fraudulent ballots and that they're you know, on time. So, um, yeah, I, I think what we saw last night was interesting and, and frustrating. What we did um, a couple weeks ago was we were um, more than a couple weeks ago, but the result came down a couple weeks ago. Um, America First Legal was involved in a lawsuit in uh, Chester County, Pennsylvania. Um, right. Chester County is the seventh largest county in Pennsylvania. Um, it's in the Philadelphia uh, metropolitan area. And we had uh, received some video information that proved that people were violating the Dropbox usage um, requirements in Chester County. Now, we had some video of people literally stuffing five, 10, you know, 20 ballots in. Under Pennsylvania law, you can only submit one ballot your own um, in a Dropbox. And so we filed a lawsuit and, uh, you know, the short version is we were able to get the county um, after we raised specific requests for certain security measures, we were able to get the county to agree uh, before a very good judge to uh, basically commit to those security members. And then we were able to subsequently rake some referrals of the video of individuals illegally violating Pennsylvania state law to the local district attorney for prosecution. So it was a pretty significant victory. I mean, in, in retrospect, what happened in Pennsylvania, it, it you know, it might've made a difference uh, to make sure at least Chester County was um, not accepting illegal ballots via the drop boxes. But it's the last night's just proof that we've got a long way to go. We're talking with uh, John Zadrozny. He's the uh, deputy director of investigations over at America First League. If you go to uh, aflegal.org, uh, you'll see a lot of their work. Um, John, pulling back a little bit now, it's not it's not your you know your first election. It's not your first investigation in the election. It's not first time you've seen litigation. But you know what the the, the points here. I mean, there's there, there's no way to describe it except to say that the system of voting has so many um, unsecure. Uh, gaps and and they fundamentally have to do with what you and I were talking off the air. Uh, if you're if you're voting for two weeks beforehand and five days after and you're not having an election day, you you just are inviting one of two things: actual cheating or number two, which is kind of just as bad. Everybody thinks it's it's cheating, you know. And and for for you and me, I think you and I, no matter how frustrated we are with the situation or with the candidates, we would vote. But there's a whole bunch of Americans, and these the surveys are out there that after a while. 
while they see how stupid and crappy this is, they just don't bother because they don't think it actually matters. They don't think it means anything. They don't think it changes anything. And so you have a system that is designed to either allow cheating or maybe worse, as I said, uh, regular and, you know, um, distinct and ongoing sort of disengagement by the citizens. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that is a huge problem. And I never used to think that would happen, but I've got certain biases about, well, of course you go vote. Um, It's America. We have that right. And we should use that right or it'll go away. But some people do feel that way. They are very down. And actually, you made a great point, which is that the perception of uh, problematic elections and election fraud are just as damaging as the reality. So obviously, not every election was fraudulent. In fact, I don't think most were. I think last night was a unique dynamic of... um, you know, people telling everyone for months there's a red wave combined with left being a little more active than we thought and a few other factors. But you've got people running around saying, I don't trust the result in X. I don't trust the result in Y. I mean, heck, we saw what happened in Arizona, which, by the way, is still a rolling hot mess right now uh, because the secretary of state, Katie Hobbs, is one of the candidates and refused to recuse herself, um, which you probably should have just done for for optics sake. Um, And it makes you wonder if the reason why she was running such a god awful campaign was because she knew she was going to use the tools of her office to cause problems for her opponent, which is Soviet Arab nonsense. Well, let me let me pause. Let me pause. Let me pause pause and ask you this. And John, I should have I should have set it up more. John, John, John Zadrozny, his his, uh, job title is over at the uh, America First Legal. He's a deputy director of investigations, a lawyer uh, and has lots of experience. And so, um, you, you know, when you when you see this, you say to yourself, uh, remember when when Attorney General Sessions was just was just I mean he was just mercilessly uh, hounded by the media and the bar and everybody saying you must recuse yourself from the the and and do an independent counsel and he did and it was a disaster and I think his judgment was off in this case. There's nothing. I mean, where, where is the expose by CNN that Hobbs is actually counting the votes? As you point out, again, whether it's true or not, almost doesn't matter because a whole bunch of people will think it's true. I mean, you, there are certain times where the uh, appearance of things is just as bad as the things that could have happened. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, Ed. It's one of those things where um, if Katie Hobbs can, I'm sorry, if uh, 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 Carrie Lake can pull this off and, it, it, you know, knock on wood, it seems like it's possible. Uh, you know, you've got to raise questions about was the reason Katie Hobbs was running such a bad cam- campaign because she knew she was just going to swipe it at the end via her office. And that requires a criminal investigation. I think we, and that, this is this is another thing, Ed, I think we have to start thinking about. We really do have to get back to the basics of day of in-person Show your ID, prove who you are, and cast your vote elections in this country. We need to do it. The mail-in balloting has been – it was the sort of thing we should have known better, right? The, the left always puts these things into place and says, don't worry, this is just temporary, and then it winds up not being temporary on our side. Unfortunately, when we do have the privilege of winning office in a particular state, we just sort of preside over the mess instead of repairing it. But this does need to be repaired. And I was thinking the other day, too, you know, in the context of Pennsylvania and the Fetterman race, um, you know, you could even go back to 2020 when um, all the revelations about 10% for the big guy came out in October, in, like a, weeks before the election, the left loves early voting because it lets them reduce the amount of time people are looking at their candidates before they vote. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm the kind of person I go on election day, partly just because, but also partly because I like to know the most information before I walk into the voting booth. Now, the odds are good I'm going to be voting for the Republican, but you, you never know. And in, in primaries, that matters too. You're going to vote the day of because you want the most information. So, 
almost as if the left wants you to have as little information as possible. And really, that the Fetterman campaign in Pennsylvania was an insult to Pennsylvanians because with the, with regard to the late debate and just the way they were being super non-transparent, we have to have a conversation about voter education because clearly a lot of people, it didn't matter to them. But that's not that's the campaign was just really sort of an insult, but the mail-in voting makes that dynamic possible. And uh, I don't think it's a service to voters. It's painted as a service to voters by the left, but it's absolutely not. Well, and, and the, and the, um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, John, I didn't, I didn't, I should have thought this, that we would end up here because you and I'd be talking about the broader national issues. I think in Florida, they have some of the rules, the tightening on, on early voting and on absentee ballots. And you saw, obviously, you know, I, I mean, one of the things you have to stand back and say, wait a second, is, is, is Florida that much better than Pennsylvania? Are the people of Florida that much smarter or that much more informed than they are in Pennsylvania? I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of, you're just, shake your head you're like how could all these people vote for what is sort of the wrong track candidate i mean john fetterman in a in a funny way that i don't mean to be mean but it's just true he's like a he's like a lobotomized biden that that, you know it's like oh that guy running he doesn't know how to talk or anything else and yet he got all these votes right so it's it's kind of um again it's uh it is um it's hard to actually put it together and but back to my point on the uh, on the early voting and all um you know in i think that you could see the whole dynamic be very different if you had that. The question is whether, as you point out, our side, meaning conservatives and usually Republicans, have the stomach to do it, right? And, and say, okay, we're going to go do that in our states. Um, and, you know, it's going to make it so that when you vote in Missouri, you're going to have a very different experience than right next door in Illinois, but we don't care because we're just going to be, we're going to protect ourselves. And uh, um, by the way, John, you know, as an attorney, one big race I saw that I liked seeing was Chris Kobach one for attorney general in uh, in Kansas. And I think those attorney generals can find ways to really stand up for sort of we the people in our states. I don't know if you have thoughts about that. Yeah, no, Ed, Ed, thank you for that reminder. Uh, Chris is a great guy. It's a great victory for America and for Kansas. And um, he his office will be very important going forward. Uh, we actually, America First Legal, we work really closely with a lot of attorneys general offices and uh chris is going to be one of our new allies when we're really excited about it and last night was bad in many ways Ed. I, I think it was more disappointing more than bad was probably a better way to put it um concerning regarding election integrity is another way to put it but i will say this i do think there were some bright spots um that you really only notice after a couple yeah. days had passed um the republicans could still wind up winning the house in fact it's, it seems likely i noticed yeah. they beat the the d triple c uh gentleman mr maloney yeah. which was kind of sweet and uh there were some things I thought were going to happen, but they didn't. Um, but there were some great races too. Eric Schmidt's coming to, uh, coming from the great state of Missouri to Washington to replace, uh, um, the incumbent and he's going to be a great guy. You know, you got a, you've got Ted Budd and you've got a couple of other candidates who are going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I actually think a slim margin in the house. I, I might've said this to you in the past. Yeah, you did. You did say this. Yeah, you you did. I remember you saying it two months ago, three months ago. Go ahead and finish it. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because the, you know, in a dynamic where you've got like 240, 250 or more seats, that sounds great, you know, for headlines and it sounds wonderful the next day and everyone's happy, but we've seen what happens when the Republicans have a huge, uh, delta between the Democrats, which you usually get this like mob of crazy Republicans who vote with the Democrats on stupid stuff. Um, if right. you've got a tight margin, which is likely what we're going to have, and I don't know how tight it's going to be, that will be determined. Kevin McCarthy is actually going to have to lead. <laughs> he can't yeah, just yeah. shrug and say, I don't 
control the caucus. Well, uh, and uh, so we Tom, may actually see better yeah, products. Yeah. Uh, Tom Massey had a quote last night, and only Massey can do this. He said, uh, I'm a big fan of the Massey caucus. If we only win, if we win the House by one vote, I'm in charge. Hey, Tom Massey. And I, you know, that's exactly your point is that suddenly the Freedom Caucus can walk in the room and say, hey, uh, I don't even have to get all the Freedom Caucus. I just can get five of my guys and we're going to hold this up. So uh, that's a good point. Well, I'm looking forward to, I think, the creativity of uh, of, of guys and uh, and gals that are in the attorneys general's office in our states is one place where uh, working with you with you guys and on their own uh, can make a big difference. So. All right. John Zadrozny, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time the day after the election. Again, it's uh, America First Legal. Go to AF, excuse me, AF Legal dot org. And John Zadrozny is uh, the director, deputy director of investigations there. So thanks, John. Thank you so much, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. And I'll put up on social media all that. I'll put this uh, story and some of the links over to America First Legal that I've been looking at. I'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Texas Governor Greg Abbott declared last year when signing HB 20 into law, quote, There is a dangerous movement by some social media companies to silence conservative ideas and values. This is wrong, and we will not allow it in Texas, end quote. Now Abbott gets to take another victory lap as the law to stop censorship on social media got its day in court. When criticized for their bias against conservative viewpoints, the California bohemists pretended they are like newspapers, enjoying the freedom to print or not print whatever they like. By a two-to-one vote, the Fifth Circuit flatly rejected this comparison, along with the notion that censorship by social media monopolies is itself a form of speech deserving protection. The brilliant Judge Edith Jones, who has often been on the shortlist for appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court, wrote in concurrence that it is ludicrous to assert, as NetChoice does, that in forbidding the covered platforms from exercising viewpoint-based censorship, the platform's own speech is curtailed. As Judge Jones knows very well, the Texas law does not require the platforms to censor their own speech, and they hide their shadow-banning algorithms anyway. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton trumpeted the victory by declaring that now, hashtag Big Tech cannot censor the political voices of any Texan. On January 2nd, 2022, however, Twitter permanently suspended the account of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia because Twitter and Democrats on Capitol Hill opposed what she was saying about COVID-19. She had tweeted about the government-run vaccine adverse event reporting system, which posts data on deaths and injuries reported after receiving a COVID vaccine. Thanks to this important new law from Texas, Silicon Valley tech giants will have to think twice before they make the choice to silence conservatives like Representative Taylor Greene. We need more states who will be willing to do their part in the battle against big tech control. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When big tech billionaires silence conservative voices on social media, the very core of American liberty vanishes. It's happening, and it's a slippery slope. At phyllisschlafly.com, we have a plan for protecting free speech. It starts with you. Please go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's finish with some unbelievable news. It is the day after Election Day, and I have to tell you the most extraordinary, exciting thing that happened. And there's lots of things that I thought was really cool. I think um, Eric Schmidt from Missouri will be a great senator. J.D. Vance will be a great senator. I think there's some up-and-coming House members that'll be cool. Uh, but I got to tell you, uh, Chris Kobach, who was once the Secretary of State in Kansas, he clerked for the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. He worked for John Ashcroft in the Department of Justice. He he He's just a star. He's brilliant. He's tough. He's fearless. And he ran for office in 18 and 20. And the uh, establishment not only abandoned him, but blocked him. He ran for Senate in 18, then he ran for governor in 20. I think that's right. And he got blocked. Well, he came back and he won just by, I don't know, a few thousand, 20,000 votes. The guy is an extraordinary talent. He's an amazing, amazing dude. And he will be unbelievable in that position. So that's the best news of this whole uh, situation. I got to tell you, it's so exciting. And uh, I did text him. I know he was a great friend of the late Phyllis Schlafly. Um, he's, just, he's just a special kind of public leader. And here's the, the greatest part of it. They tried to block him so often because he's kind of uh, just he's nobody's nobody's boy. He's nobody's guy. He's not going to be beholden. Anybody he does what he thinks is right, whether it's popular or not. And uh, and he's not particularly like he's not not he's not unkind. He's a nice guy, but he's just and he's smart and he's fearless. Illegal immigration. He's fearless on voting rights. He's fearless. So when they tried to block him so many times, he won without their help. He won with he doesn't know anybody, anything. He does not owe anybody anything. He's just going to do his job. I'm not saying everybody uh, that you know gets a lot of support from somewhere does something different, but it does change your behavior. It's, it's natural. You work with your friends. You work with your allies. Well, Chris Kobach's friends and allies are the people of Kansas. Very, very cool. So, all right, everybody. Thank you, Noah Dingley, Joanna Spilger. We'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.